Welcome to the Armchair Trader podcast and uh, this afternoon we're going to be talking about cash shells again. In fact, we have Mike Elwood joining us on the podcast. Uh, regular listeners will remember him uh, because he is chairman of Net Zero Infrastructure. Uh, welcome welcome to the podcast this afternoon, Mike. Thank you, Stuart. Uh, delighted to be here. Um, Net Zero Infrastructure is a cash shell, otherwise known in, in some markets as a special purpose acquisition company. A lot of people may not be familiar with that, how they work. Can you just give us a, a quick rundown of what a cash shell is? In its most basic form, a cash shell is formed with the purpose of making an acquisition of a company in a, in a particular sector or sectors and raises an, an amount of cash in its early days. It can, it, can, it can be a big range that, but in our case, we raised just under £1.5 million for the running costs of the cash shell and the due diligence fees for an acquisition as we identify it with a view to completing a reverse takeover within to the cash shell and... Um, you know, giving ourselves back a couple of years to, to do that. We are just over 12 months in, and I think we'll talk later about um, a transaction that didn't happen for us. Um, but we've still got, you know, almost another 12 months to find another one and make that completion and become a proper operating company. And when you mentioned reverse takeover there, basically the cash shell itself is listed on the market. And when, when you talk about a reverse takeover, what you're meaning there is a private company that could be worth more than the actual value of the cash shell could be technically taken over and brought onto the exchange as a as a listed company by that process. That's right, Stuart. It would almost certainly be a private company coming into the into the cash shell, reversing into the cash shell and taking advantage of the listing. And for them, it's a it's a more efficient, quicker route onto the market than perhaps going for a straight IPO. Uh, Net zero infrastructure itself, I mean, obviously can't go and acquire any private company it wants. Um, you have some limitations. Can you tell us what the objectives are? Yes, the prospectus talked about renewable and clean energy, anticipated to be in the UK, but not necessarily so. If there were opportunities further afield, we would look at those, but anticipated to be in the UK. And then we talked about a, a business that was near cash or near cash so not not a not an idea or a, a startup without a proven product but something that was going to turn into an operating company generating cash relatively quickly understood um now net zero infrastructure it's back on the market now it, it's uh, trading again but it actually went off the market some time ago can you can you fill us in a little bit about about what happened there and why it's back on again Yes, it's all. Um, I think it's all on public record. We found were approached by a private company sometime around spring last year, a business that was in the conversion of uh, diesel engines to hydrogen. Looked a really nice business. Isn't is a really nice business. We worked on an agreement with the company to reverse into us. We agreed ahead of terms. We set off on the due diligence, and unfortunately, we arrived at the fundraising phase in the final quarter of 2022 which was a particularly difficult time i think to be to be raising money we weren't able to reach agreement on altering the transaction and as such 
we had to um, abort the deal at that point in time. So disappointing for all involved. I think just a, a victim of, of timing, if I'm honest. It was just probably the worst time we could have been coming to the market for the for the funding. But we move on and we've looked at a number of different things over the past couple of months. There's There's no shortage of opportunity out there and we've got a few things that are perhaps a little further advanced, but not at a stage where we would need to make an announcement as yet. And I, I presume there isn't an upper limit to the size of the company that you could potentially use a cash shell like this to bring onto the market? Not really. I mean, it, it, it kind of, you get into the dark, so you get into what would this pack be worth and what does that mean in, in dilution terms? So there probably is a point at which something would be too big and it would it would just be overwhelmed but specifically, no. I think if, if you can raise, if the company wants to list, it fits the purpose and you can raise the money, then yes, it could be done. Now, I know I know you, there's, there's not much you can really say about the sort of companies you might or, might or might not already be in discussions with. Can you give us a little bit more idea of the, of the kinds of companies? I know you've mentioned the fact that they, they need to be operating and turning some kind of profit but what what sort of what sorts of companies are you are you really looking for as a prospect for this yeah no this so so a few of the areas of uh, of sectors that, that have kind of come to us in, in in recent weeks months are things around waste to energy some interesting things around waste to energy some straightforward solar parks something around carbon capture and obviously that's that's featured quite a lot today um, and in recent weeks hydrogen production are getting closer, I think. And when I say cash or near cash, you know, if you've got a project that is a startup but has got off takes, has got a whole agreement in place, and you can see how the cash will be generated, that is something that would would qualify, I think, for us to look at, and we could try and make the mechanics work on that. And then, you know, aggregation of smaller projects is another one. It, there's lots of project finance around for the bigger transactions, but there are smaller projects around and it may well be that um, an aggregation of smaller projects is a possible way forward right so so even if someone's got a relatively exciting but very small project they probably might be sitting there thinking well this is too small for a, something like a stock market listing but that might not necessarily be the case no we, 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 we might be able to sort of had conversations we might be able to think about how you could put that together with others and and create something that that gives liquidity to that part of the market. So that's something I'm I'm really keen to explore a bit further. Uh, will you look at non UK opportunities, or do the companies have to be located in the UK? So they don't have to be, but it gets a little more complicated if we're looking further further afield. Particularly if they're startups or relatively small, there is the element of control. There is you know the size of the business for what could be a, a long distance relationship. So I wouldn't say no, because if the right one came along and we felt it was good for shareholders, we'd pursue it. But it adds complications that make it a little more difficult. Understood. So so when, let's say, hypothetically speaking, you've identified a potential target, um, what are the next steps and, and how does this work in practice for a company that might you know, want to use this as a route yeah. onto the stock exchange? So we'll do an initial assessment, probably a few a few meetings, make sure there's some chemistry there between the people, which I think is still important in transactions of this of this nature. And then we proceed to a heads of terms and, and set out how the transaction is going to work for everyone. That's the point at which we 
would notify FCA and probably need to suspend. And then we would go into the due diligence phase. And, and that would include all of the legal diligence and the accounting diligence and other things that, that may, we may want. We would be drafting the prospectus and working through probably an SPA, which would be the method we would use for the for the acquisition. So working all those things alongside. And and that that's you're probably looking at it at a time frame of something like three to four months, at the end of which we would then go through into the fundraising element of that. So that would get into roadshows, presenting to institutions and raising the money. Misconceptions occur among investors about this process because investors don't understand sometimes they buy into the story of the objectives of the cartel um, and then they, they don't understand why it suddenly suspends for trading but that that's really a regulatory obligation imposed on you uh, once you've identified the target yes it is it is and you know it creates um a cre- i guess it creates a you know a time period a protected time period to get the deal deal done but it is i think it can be a frustrating time for for shareholders and well particularly shareholders thank you who may not well who most certainly aren't going to understand exactly what's happening over that time period and the other thing of course is um you just mentioned you then go on the road show so you're actually raising more money for the project so even though let's say the valuation of the cash shell is a million pounds before it delists yeah you're actually going to go out and get more investors and more money into the company before it actually starts trading again so yes what happens to the existing shareholders in the cash shell so so the existing shareholders will be diluted but against the against the kind of um, investment profile of the target and it, and that's the matching that you have to do i think is to make sure that you're you're bringing an opportunity that might see investors diluted but actually the long-term impact of that um is is great opportunity and in essence that's what they were backing when they invested in the special purpose acquisition company was the ability to find those opportunities and that they would be you know would have strong growth potential cash shells like this i mean some people may remember during the pandemic there was a whole flurry of these hitting the us market in terms of the uk market there aren't actually that many left on the market now are there um, especially of this kind of size yeah no no there aren't so, so the rules have changed around minimum thresholds which i think is going to be 100 million we we currently sit um where we would be grandfathered as a process if we found another transaction to come back onto the market provided that happens before the end of the year and and obviously you know we're kind of in that sub five million where, where a lot of them i think were before that and that sort of plays to the fact Stuart, that what generally you were doing was raising the fees and expenses to get to a deal and that you would then go and find the funding for a deal i think it's probably preferred um certainly by by regulators that you raise the money for the acquisition at that time so there isn't a re- you know actually the, the spac represents not only the fees but the the cash to do the deal at the time as well what's your what's your take on the overall uk climate for clean energy are you feeling optimistic about the sector overall? Yeah, at a macro level, I mean, I think it has to happen, Stuart. So, so I, I think this is a, a question of how long does it take rather than whether it will happen or not. I think Energy UK talked about a 62 billion shortfall of the next decade, which I think is, we've gone some way towards that with 
20 billion pledge towards carbon capture over the next 10 years. So there's some big numbers there that have to be delivered in a relatively short space of time. So at a headline level, I think it represents a great place to be and lots of opportunity. But but there are headwinds as well. We kind of see the impact of, of inflation and interest rates in the UK and some supply chain issues. Um, investors looking at where they allocate their capital. Is it UK or is it overseas? We've seen the Inflation Reduction Act in the US. So there are a number of competing headwinds within that. But on balance, I still think that you know the UK has a lot to do. It's pledged a lot to do. The momentum is there. Um, and it's just for us, it's finding that right opportunity. And it's why the aggregation of smaller projects for me is something that I want to take a, a very close look at, because I, I think that might be where people find it harder to access the capital for these projects. And if we can somehow pull that together, then I think that will be um, will be very positive. And do you think the government's currently being supportive enough for the sector, given that you know, ultimately it's strategic importance to the the future of the country and, and the climate of the planet? I think I think I think they're getting there, Stuart. I think there's always more can be done and I think we we've seen in other in other areas more has been done. But I I think they're getting there and I think public opinion, public knowledge on this is accelerating very quickly. There's a generational aspect that that sees the younger generation want more done on this. So I think there is an overwhelming momentum that will get us there but but as uh, th- there's always more can be done i think yeah I, we we ran a story recently um which was was featuring some um industry data that showed that the staggering number of british investors want to see more choice in the fund management sector with more planet friendly um funds being made available to them what's your what's your impression of the the clean energy sector post pandemic i mean has it emerged from the pandemic in good shape and, and can we expect it to expand? Yeah, I think, I think it has emerged in, in good shape. And I think it's probably, you know, did the pandemic all the time locked down? Did that give people, a, a you know, a chance for reflection and how they view the world and, and the impact that we're having on it? And I think probably gave a bit of a, a boost towards the clean energy sector. So I think we do emerge from it in, in good shape. And actually, it's the, there's a huge amount to do in a relatively short space of time. It's just how we bring that to life. And, and your comments around the fund management, I think how how you can bring this to to real people, because we've all got pensions, we all have pension funds, and, and actually understanding where they're investing and what they're doing is something we can take an interest in. And you know, if the demand is for more targeted towards this area, then that can only be a good thing. If I'm an investor... Um, you know, I'm, I'm looking at a fairly um, volatile market out there at the moment. What's the big selling point for this sector versus some other? I mean, obviously, energy, um, not such a great idea if you're thinking about saving the planet. When I say energy, I mean traditional energy, oil and gas stocks. Yeah. But what from a, from an investment point of view, um, what do you think? What do you think the the selling point for this space? Energy security is something that has become more relevant to us. I think we probably hadn't thought about that until the last couple of years that that's more important to us i think you know kind of saving the planet is is important and the demand for it is very strong and i think if you if you look into the energy usage if you look into the revenue streams that can be developed then this can be a very strong 
revenue yield producing sector which which sits well for for particularly for pension funds and long-term saving that's very true thank you very much indeed for your for your time this afternoon mike and for giving us an update on net zero infrastructure and uh We'll look forward um, to hear further news from you as and when you're allowed to to tell us. Many thanks, Stuart. You've been listening to the Armchair Trader podcast. Make sure you visit our website, www.thearmchairtrader.com, for your daily dose of financial markets news and sign up to our free newsletter there.